Hi, I'm Mark Fish, and you are listening to Hit the Target Podcast, proudly brought to you by Hollywood Bits. My name is Carol Shabalala, and you are listening to Hit the Target, powered by Hollywood Bits. Hi, football lovers. This is Coach Dylan Kerr. You're listening to Hit the Target, powered by Hollywood Bits. Hit the Target Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Hit the Target Podcast, powered by Hollywood Bits. I'm your host, Deshwan, and with me in studio today is Nangu Gorgeous himself, Ayanda Bezi. <laughs> Alongside him is Hit the Target debutant, Mokhale Sateke. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Desh. It's good to be back again, even though, yeah, we know the yesterday's game. <laughs> can see you've been lost for words over there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know <laughs> what to say. But yeah, it's good to be back again. Greetings to the listeners at home. Thank you so much, Dash, uh, for the warm welcome to the podcast. Yeah, um, even though that uh, I'm starting on a very sad day yeah. where we lost a very big opener yeah. uh, for AFCON. So, yeah, mm. but uh, thank you so much and I'm, I'm, I can't wait. Yeah. To- We're happy to have you in studio today, uh, Mukhali. Of course, uh, you guys can go and check him out. He's on our TikTok pages and his numbers did very well. So, you know, we want to give the people what they want to see. And uh, here in this case... Um, with that being said, I have a clip that I want to play where South Africa's head coach Hugo Bruce opens up on our performance last night against Mali in our Afghan opener. First of all, um, I think I have uh, to congratulate my team for the performance of today. I think we lose the game in two facts. First is missing the penalty. Secondly, is the physical power in Duel, the second half of Mali. Those reasons make us uh, lose the game today. But the performance of uh, South Africa was good. And I think if uh, we scored the penalty, that the game should be different. But okay. This is comment after the game, and um, that doesn't uh, change the result. Yes, so... That was Hugo Bruce speaking ahead of the fixture. He said that the performance of the team was good today. Let's forget about the results. Are you happy about the performance? Um, look, uh, Dash, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, um, I, 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 I can't say I'm entirely happy. I'm like 40% happy because that's what uh, South Africa does at most. And we know that... Um, um, with um, West African teams, it's always a challenge um, when it comes to how the guys will become aggressive, especially in the second half of uh, the games and so forth. So I was not, I'm not entirely happy. Like uh, the first half, it was okay. We were knocking off the ball and everything, but um, man, it's uh, football. It's, there's no, you don't, you don't have therefore in football. You must take all your chances uh, when it matters. You yeah. know? Ayanda. Um, Mo just said that he was 40% happy with the performance. Does that mean Bafana gave 40% of their complete performance? I have to agree with uh, Mukhali on this one because uh, looking at Bafana Bafana, we've been saying this before the tournament starts, during the AFCON qualifier, even during the World Cup qualifier. We're saying that they don't take their chances. Yeah. And even Hugo Bruce is saying in the statement that if they converted that penalty, yeah. the game would have been different. Yeah, And we did say it, uh, before the Afghan starts that if they don't take their chances, the opponent won't miss their... When they get their chances, they'll yeah. utilize those chances. So I'm disappointed with the way... It, you, you can't uh, give a good performance and then you don't come with the results. 
Mm. What's the point of having a good game and then you're not showing results? It's like you were attending school the whole year and you're not writing the final exam. Mm. So it was a, a, a disappointing. But hopefully in the next game, uh, they'll learn from their mistakes and then convert those chances. You know, mm. because now we must start now using calculators and everything. So I, I hopefully in the next game they will fix those uh, mistakes. Yeah. Before we jump to the next game, let's actually keep it the conversation here. Now, both of you gents mentioned missed chances. And, you know, I was looking at the numbers, the stats in preparation for this podcast. And it was incredible what I found out. Percy Tau attempted five of Bafana's 12 shots. That's literally half of our shots. Now, that doesn't surprise me. But the fact that he came away with nothing, I think he is the best forward in that lineup, in the team, in our squad. Um, and the fact that he had that he took five shots, it gives me confidence that he would have had some return, but came away with nothing. Of course, there's a penalty in that, but five of the 12 shots, should he have done something, maybe pass the ball? We mentioned the Mokapa, the Mokapa, excuse me, evidence Mokopa was in the box. Do you think maybe when he took that shot, he should have squared it to him? Um, look, um, a wise player, um, a wise player who always gives results knows when and what to do at what time. Um, that's why you have so many great players in football um, that we still that are talked about uh, even after their retire uh, their retirement. Um, and Lionel Messi will pass you even when he's got a chance to hit the ball into the net, but because you are you have an open net and you are more clearer. It's going to be easy for you just to put the ball in the net uh, compared to him in his position. Pesita must just know when to do, when and how, you know. <clears throat> you know, some you, you can't always, when you're in the box, force to hit the keeper and everything. Don't complicate uh, everything. That ball he was just supposed to pass to Mahopa in. You're diverting the goalkeeper's attention and direction. Then Mahopa open net. Uh, it was Mahopa Masek open net, pa. First goal. We mm-hmm. could have had two, three chances that we could have taken in the first half. But yeah. because of players not being indecisive, we couldn't take those t- uh, chances. I think that also comes with the fact that he missed the penalty. So that's like psychologically killed him. Like he wanted to, to repay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, yeah, you know. So I think that also had an impact on him. But as a player uh, like Pesita, he played in the... Premier League is playing one of Champions League the, well. the club of the century mm. in Africa. So he's supposed to to know these things, man. Uh, keep keep things simple, as Mokhale said. Keep things simple. We are a team here. There's no individual work here that uh, you're going to get a credit that uh, you did well. It's a teamwork here. You, mm. You're there to represent your country. Yeah. But I saw a clip of him uh, after the game saying uh, they're going to try and regroup and go do analysis on the game that yeah. uh, where do they do mistakes. So hopefully he'll come back stronger in the next game. So yeah. that's it. Do you think that the front line should be paying, uh, playing more for each other? Because, you know, we, have, we mentioned the, the ball to Mokopa, but, um, you know, when I see some of the omissions from the team, Lyle Foster, Kanye Samayo, um, I guess yeah, Pule Modi Chiefs could have been worth a shout, but um, do you think now that maybe the spotlight is on him and he wants to grab that spotlight, make it his, and that's maybe causing a bit of dysfunction within the team? We mentioned a penalty miss, but um, I think our colleague Mark Trader mentioned that there were 
three players who touched the ball before the penalty was was uh, taken, and I think Maseko wasn't even one of them, and he won the penalty as well. So um, it it was it was uh, uh, Mokwena, and then Makopa, and then Tau. So you see, like there's a I'm seeing maybe some I don't be drawing invisible lines, but Makopa, La Passa, Tau. That shows that as a team, when you're going to a tournament, the coach will sit down with the team and say. They know if we get a penalty, which player to, that will take the ball and and and, yeah. and and kick that penalty. Who's responsible for the penalties? Yeah, you see, they know before the game starts that if we get a penalty, uh, this player is gonna take that penalty. So I think they didn't like plan that going into this game. Maybe I don't know. They didn't think maybe they'll get a penalty, uh, of which for me I found it amazing that. Uh, because they have like we have like speedy players that uh, Maseko him being there it's, yes. it's one of the reasons because we know players from uh, West Africa they can't run they don't have speed so with us we have speed so I think Maseko being there in the in the starting lineup was the main aim that he gonna give us something and he did give us something we got a penalty so I think the coach he needs to go back with his technical team and the players go back to a drawing board to say, if we get a penalty, who's responsible for that penalty? Who do you and think should take our penalties? For me, I've seen, uh, I, I would say Tembazwane, because I've seen him at Sundowns, he's taking penalties at Sundowns. Before uh, Ribeiro came, mm. he, he was the one who was taking those penalties. If it's not him, then it's uh, Mukwena. Yeah. You know? So for me, I'll give it to one of them, mm. you know, because for now, Pesitao, physically, when he, he it comes to penalty. I think he will just step back, yeah. you know, because we even lost the game. So I think for now we'll just step back. So I'll give it to Tembazwane that yeah. responsibility. Yeah, it was a different Bafana team who came out in the second half. Um, and with that being said, I do believe it was a game of two halves because, you know, if I'm just watching as a as a neutral, I would say Bafana won the first half, you know, and the second half Mali had us on the ropes. Um, Again, more stats to back up my claim. Mali had 10 shots in the second half. 10 shots alone. That's like incredible. Four of which were on target and two goals finding the back of the net. And I think from there, the game was over. Yeah, you know, uh, as soon as they considered the first goal, Mali were like, yeah, this is our opportunity now. We we killed them. And then when that second goal came and then it was like over for Bafana Bafana because... Mali, we knew that we even said that this is the team that is one of the favorites in this uh, in this group to make it. So, for them getting that first goal after missing Bafana Bafana missing the penalty, it was like uh, a relief for for Mali because uh, in the first half uh, South Africa were giving them headaches. So yeah, it was a relief to say, okay, now we can start now to play uh, our normal game now. So, yeah. What do you think Bruce said uh, to his team in the halftime interval? I think in the halftime interval, uh, Bruce particularly uh, uh, just focused uh, on the team uh, bearing their chances and um, keeping the pace that they had in the first 45 minutes and um, playing for one another. But you can see that um, Bruce was not the only competitor for that match. Yeah. Uh, the Mali coach had something in, uh, he had some ideas also when it comes to his team because he, um, I, I applaud the man for making a very strategic change yeah, in the middle of the park. Yeah. I mean, Vesp, uh, yes, Vesp Besuma, Besuma 
Um, all our midfield were was focused on that guy Mukwena and the company. But then after the coach pulled him and brought in uh, some other random guy, and then um, he was the person that the coach believed in and started creating chances. And you could see in the middle of the park that now our boys have lost focus because that one person that they were looking at was no longer there. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the the turning point of the game was that substitution. What what at that substitute when Besuma was pulled out by the Malian coach and, mm-hmm. you know, our guys now started being frustrated and not knowing what to do, when and how. And Mali, of course, like I told you, our West African teams, when it comes to physicality, the second half of the game, they made sure that their, their engines were very hot. They were heat up. They couldn't wait up uh, to get into the second half and exploit South Africa in all um in all the angles. I mean, if you can look at Mali's second goal, man, that is classic. That is terrific. Zlat- Zlatan Ibrahimovic can pull that. Wayne Rooney can pull uh, can pull that. Passing a player while you are behind when they pass you a through ball and yeah. you still manage to get a goal. I mean, it's a matter of physicality and you being a prolific striker that you yeah. are to pull that kind of performance. So I applaud uh, Mali for showing that they are that good and powerful in the second half. Mm. I'm glad you uh, spoke about the goal because I actually did want to unpack the goals. Let's talk about the first one though. I think Williams did well to save that free kick. I think he he might have pushed it onto the bar or something like that. And you know, there were plenty of men in the wall, in the Bafana wall. So I think that Bafana had done the research and they knew that Seiko Koito was good at free kicks. But I want to ask you, could that goal be avoidable because the there were two Mali attackers that were quicker to react to the the balls, which means that they were more hungry, that they wanted it more than the defenders. So do you think maybe if the defense was awake, maybe less men in the wall could have been a different story? That could have been avoided. As a, as a defender, you, you must always uh, switch on. Yeah. Your mind must always be on. Be a sort of Sergio Ramos mode always. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can check, uh, best defenders, uh, uh, all defenders in the current ones, um, they 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 clear they are able to clear they are able to clear goals uh, like that and everything you get my point so we were supposed to switch on immediately when they played that free kick so that anything that happens when that ball came back into the field of play they are able to clear the ball away but you could see what happened there our defenders uh, uh, were not focusing and everything that's why but the Mali, the the Malians, the forward Malians players, their mindset was to say, if this ball comes back, yeah. we are going for, 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 for an just attack. Catch them sleeping. We are, we are just, it's just a tap in, then it's a goal. Where was our defenders? Mm. You can't focus on the free kick always and on the wall. Immediately, the the the, the take off the ball took that free kick. Their mind was supposed now to focus on what. Uh, Williams is going to do and react immediately. Mm. If he pushes back the ball into the field of play, they are there to mm. clear the ball away. But unfortunately, the guys were standing. Yeah. Um, let's uh, talk about the substitutions, all right. Um, La Passa comes on, who was the country striker. I think right now the number nine shirt falls on the shoulders of Evidence Makopa. La Passa comes on, put off an underwhelming cameo uh, performance from him. Um, especially when you look at the likes of other substitutes who came on and changed the game at uh, you know in Ivory Coast, what do you make right now about that front line? Can we recover? We we we. I doubt. I don't have faith in our front three. I mean, if you can check uh, before the FCON started, I was <laughs> I laughed <laughs> I laughed a little bit alone because 
uh, you know, in FCON, they always uh, bring up certain issues uh, towards the build-up of the tournament. Um, are you aware that um, I think it was uh, the week before or two days before FCON started, the, they brought up uh, the the front three, top uh, front three pairing of FCON for each and every team. South Africa was nowhere to be found. Mm. They had Ghana there, they had Nigeria there, they had Egypt there, they had Mali there, you know. They had all these teams there whereby they would say, I mean, they would say at Ghana, they would say this kind of player, AU and uh, this guy and this guy, are they the top three for this uh, FCON tournament and so forth. For Nigeria, there was Osimen, there was another one and in Ihacho, they were like, look at this top three, who's going to come out as the top The most dangerous three, front three, yeah. The most dangerous yeah. front three. But South Africa, there was... Nothing like that because we don't have the most dangerous front three. Yeah. I can't even tell you right now that I can even tell you that right now, if I was the coach, I was going to be so much confused because... Who would you select for your, your ideal front three, maybe even front four? Uh, for, for, for the upcoming game. For the Bafana, let's say if, you, if we took it a step back and yes. you, you were selecting the, um, the final squad, which of uh, the country's attackers would you pick to take to AFCON? I mean, um, me believing in what I believe, I mean, you need a, a, a proper um, box striker like uh, your Mutiwa or your last, yeah. uh, last, yeah, a last in the in the box, and you would need somebody who who bullies around defenders and so forth. Mm. I would, I would for for my front three, I would have taken also um, this guy who played for who plays for Pyramids, um, the striker Fagri uh, Yeah. I would take someone like that who can bully around. Defenders but and so forth. And you mentioned you mentioned Motiba, but Motiba's injured, so he couldn't make the squad. So who would then lead the line? Um, um obviously Fagri would lead the line, or mm. uh, Mayo would lead the line. Yeah, uh, Fagri or Mayo would lead the line. And I don't know why do we uh, tend to overlook at uh, players like Stanfas, Kemita, Rasmus. Yeah, their experience comes with a lot of packs, and I mean the men can make pirates play even when they don't have any plan to do anything because he can easily hold the ball and play for the middle fielders. You need that type of a striker who can mm. play with the middle fielders. Not someone who can trap, who can make a turn. You need a striker who knows what to do, when and how. There's a time where a striker has to be selfish. There's a time where the striker had to play with another um, oncoming player so that we can get goals and so forth. At this present moment for Bafana, I don't see that happening because even with yesterday's game for my observations, Mahopa is supposed to sit in the box, but look at how far he goes to collect the ball. Mm, yeah. You know, and I've he also goes, seen him on the wide areas of the pitch many, many times. Many, many a yeah. times. He goes far in to collect the ball. Definitely. And now when he takes the ball turning around, he's very far away from the goalpost. From the box. Who's and, you supporting? Know, the cross, like the wide the wide plays, the flanks, they're, they're the ones that are meant to put the ball in the box. And Mokopa is at target number nine. But if he's out wide, it's going to take him a few days to get into the box. Yes. That's why also, if I was the coach, you would have needed a, a player like Dupriest, yeah. you know, from Chiefs. Pacey. But I, yes. I think he was also under injury, if I'm not mistaken, because he wasn't even in the prelim. I, I risk it all. There is a Facebook uh, and a Twitter uh, post <laughs> uh, that I, I wrote uh, two weeks before FCON and people were even fighting on my on my wall. So it's, I would I would take a lodge even when lodge is limping. Yeah, because with a lodge you know that anything can happen yeah. at any moment of the game. Mm -hmm. Lodge can decide at any time 
in in the field that this is an opportunity. I'm taking three, four players with me. Yes. I'm carrying them into the box. I'm passing my teammate. We are finishing this. We are getting a goal. You didn't have that for now. Like we have only have one number ten. Creativity is not there for Bafana. When Tambazwani is not there making things to happen, I mean, who do you turn on? Mm. Who do you turn on? Yeah. There is no. We are lacking creativity to the core in the Bafana squad at the present moment. Hundred mm, percent. Um, I also want to speak about the the fixture against Lesotho. We played a goalless draw before we left to Afghan, and I want to ask you: Do you think because of that quality of opposition, it didn't do us any favors? Because you saw it happen in the first game against Mali. First half we were strong. Second half out the park completely. Um, any 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 team can match South Africa. You don't have to be. Uh, Ivory Coast, you don't have to be Nigeria. Your Lesotho, your Botswana, your Mozambique, they've mastered how to play against you guys. Mm. Right now you have Namibia in the group. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, if you think Mali's defeat was that painful, mm. wait up until we're going to play against Namibia. Namibia, yes. yeah. Um, actually, on that note, I want to ask you, do you think that this is the most open group? Because ahead of the, the, um, the tournament, I, I thought that Tunisia and Mali would be the ones to progress from our group. Lots of people were saying South Africa could could go uh, to the knockouts as the best uh, placed third team. Um, I had my doubts about that, and like I think time has is, um, is, uh, like you know show that. But do you think that this is the most open group? Do you think that we can maybe get a draw against, um, let's call it Namibia, and then a win against Tunisia, or do you think we are absolutely coming home? That is the problem with us uh, football fans. <laughs> That's what I think have. with our hearts. We we think with our hearts, and uh, we think that uh, you know, in most cases, because of a name of a certain team, they already have like a leverage on other team. And hey, look at Europa and UEFA Champions League. Look at how small teams are upsetting big teams in those big tournaments. We guys should be learning from that as football fanatics. For the fact that you you are sitting there as a South African thinking that. It's just going to be a walkover on the park just for you to get a 2-0 against Namibia. Mm. That is, I'm, I'm doubting your, your, your level of understanding in terms of football. Yeah. Namibia has got like a formidable team. Mm. Namibia has got some of um, the strongest players in the PSL now. Yeah. We, we, sh- we saw how those players showed up against Tunisia yesterday. Mm. I mean, uh, Hanabub is playing so well, even at Am- Amazulu is pulling great numbers as, as a left back. And he showed even yesterday. I mean, who... who, who? Lloyd Kazip also impressed me. I th- think um, he had made four saves from four shots attempted yes. by Tunisia inside yes. the box. Four yes. saves from inside the box. That's like incredible over yes. there. Yes, that's very incredible. And you have the ever hard-waking uh, Dion Hoto running mm. the whole 90 minutes yeah. with Peter Shalulile up front. I mean, if you could see the way Namibia was terrorizing... Uh, Tunisia yesterday. Mm. I was like, oh, they even got a second goal, mm. which was ruled mm. offside because Otto was slightly offside from a ball that he got from uh, um, Peter Shalulili. Yeah. He was slightly offside. They were supposed to win with a two-goal margin and upwards because mm. of the way they were playing, man. Yeah. You can so, see the seriousness. You can see the teamwork. You can see they play for each other. When it's a corner, they go back and defend. When they have lost the ball, they go back and help the middle field and so forth as upfront players. And I've seen the very same Dion Hotto that works very hard even at our Pirates. At Atlanta Pirates, yeah. I've seen that yesterday with him. And if he continues, I mean, Namibia are into surprise many. Yeah. 
I think that um, you know, with uh, Namibia's dangerous duo of uh, Hotto and um, Shalolile, it could be they could fire them into the knockouts. And you know, with the the upcoming fixture, I think it's um, Namibia, uh, South Africa this weekend, and then Tunisia, Mali. Uh, it's going to be an incredible show for us. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to contain those two, especially when you look at the form that both of them in. I want to ask you: Should we have given Shasha citizenship by now? Yeah. Should he should he be leading the line for Bafana? Yes, we should, we should have done that, Because <laughs> you know, right now we're looking at some strikers that I can't see anyone better than him in our land. Yeah, man. I mean, what 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 can you say? It's 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 part of being. Uh, you know, it's part of. It's not like the players are not there, but now it depends on the selection and the coaches and the technical team's taste and so forth. And that's why there are so many politics when it comes to South African football. I mean, even great uh, retired African footballer, uh, the likes of, imagine someone like Samuel Eto not understanding why is South Africa performing so bad in FCON because PSL is one of the highly rated domestic leagues in yeah. the world. Yeah, PSL. But we're still out of that big league. We can't put we can't pull a formidable first uh, 15 players who will represent us in the World Cup and also in AFCON. Mm-hmm. It's so, we should ask, it, 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 it raises a lot of questions about uh, maybe what type of players we have in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Also. I want to ask you, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that we're going to get humbled by Nambabia, but as a South African, how do you think we should set up if we are to get any results in this fixture, because right now it kind of is a must win. You know, a final game against Tunisia could be a straight shootout, whoever goes through. So, how do we set up against Namibia to try and just conjure up a slight chance of qualifying? Don't hold back. Mm. First thing comes to your first 11. Pull your best first 11. Every game that you play, a tournament is not a league game. You put, you, you put your first 11 every game. Put your first 11 and also the way the South African players are playing. We need to see some seriousness in some of the South African players. You get my point? Yeah. Decision making on the pitch and so forth. They need to know that they are playing for each other. They need to know they are representing a lot of millions in South Africa. They need to know that they are playing for the South African flag and the South African badge. Mm. So... The players need to kind of instill some kind of attitude and mentality in themselves. Also for people to people who are rallying and supporting them to believe there in them also. The coaches need to put up their first best eleven and also the players need to South African players need to start showing up. Mm. Let's name some names, right? Who would you drop from that uh eleven and who would you replace them with? Because you know I want to say defensively, we had a we had a very good show. You know, like I know we conceded twice in a night, but I still kind of feel like we did we did relatively well for a defensive unit. And I think it, this comes down to Sundowns. Um, but yeah, let me ask you, what does our strongest eleven look like? I will never pay Mvala and Ekulu, no matter what happens. Yeah, I will never do that. Put in CBC there, one of the quickest players. Put a CBC in there. Let him play with Mvala or Kulu uh, and so forth and everything. And let's see what happens from defense point of view. And going forward, I mean, look, going forward uh, um, with uh, 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 our our players, I mean, I, I would throw in 
Uh, if it, it means that we see the difference, I would I would drop Mahopa. I would throw in a Lepasa in there and know that at least, um, you know, Lepasa doesn't like playing so deep and Lepasa like being in the box. If Tambazwani comes to the show and shows up, uh, against you can the, find him. The, yeah. the, 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 game, the game against uh, Namibia. The pass I can give you a break. Yeah. Mark my words. Okay. Well, we'll have to watch and see how that one pans out. Ukhala, um, it's been a pleasure discussing all things Bafana, Bafana related with you. Um, we're going to have to leave it over here and resume our duties next week. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for hosting me. All right. Cheers. Cool. Bye. I am Mark Fish and you are listening to Hit the Target Podcast, proudly brought to you by Hollywood Pets. My name is Carol Shabalala and you are listening to Hit the Target, powered by Hollywood Pets. Hi football lovers, this is Coach Delinka. You're listening to Hit the Target, powered by Hollywood Pets. Hit the Target Podcast.
the target podcast hello and welcome to the target podcast powered by hollywood bets i'm your host dashun and with me in studio today is football's analyst Mark Stadom. Morning, Dish. Thanks for having me. Shots. How are you doing today, man? Ah, disappointed, but nevertheless. Yeah. Positive. Sure. Um, well, those uh, listeners out there, you can just have a look at our previous podcast where we unpacked Mark's sadness. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm discussing uh, all things Bafana Bafana with our <laughs> debutants, Mokhale as get there. Mark, this weekend, we're going to look at the Premier League calendar. We have a shortened weekend to preview, so uh, let's not stand on ceremony. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Arsenal um, take on Crystal Palace. A very tricky game for the Gunners now at the moment. Especially with the, the recent results they, they've been facing. I think it's three losses in a row now. Mm. So they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, do you think the writing is on the wall for Mikel Arteta if he loses this one? Um, I, I don't think so. With the work that he's done, I think there's more positive than negative that, that has come out of Arteta. I think the, the board, they trust him. Um, the relationship between him and Edu is, is quite good. Um, the recruitment's been quite good, so I think he still has a chance. I, um, I think it's just a a bad patch that they're going through now at the moment. Um, but it's one it's one win in five. Yeah, and, you know, you guys just got knocked out of the FA Cup, which we know is Arsenal's like bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, this is a huge turning point now for Arsenal right now. Yeah. Well, it's a back to back derby defeats. You know, uh, London clubs, and you know, with Palace being the next uh, London yeah. derby. Um, you know, is there some like consolation that they're playing at home? Because I know Arsenal I, are stronger I, at home. I, I think that's a huge consolation, uh, and I'm happy you brought it up because I think they will feed off the crowd. Yeah, when they're playing, it'll make it much easier for them, especially now at the moment with this with the struggling um, that's happening at the team. Mm. Is it a case of signings? I think so. I think uh, there's a huge gap in the striking department right now because if you watch um, Arsenal play now, they, they do everything what they're supposed to do through the middle, from the back. The build-up play is quite good. But once they get to the final third, um, there's this sort of no idea. I don't think Jesus is the number one. I don't think Nketiah is the number one. I think they're the number two and three strikers now at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. if if they do want to compete with Liverpool and, as you know, City, um, the brain is back. Um, Aston Villa has a, has a shout. I don't think if if Arsenal do anything to fix this situation, they can kiss the league goodbye again. Yeah, shame. Um, it is a shame. You, yeah, pains you to say that. I can yeah. just see your eyes. Definitely, definitely, because um, both our strikers, I think, combined, um, have maybe fourteen goals, mm. thirteen goals, and is that's that together. Oh, is that is that league only? League. Or is that all competition? I, I think it's it? only league goals. Yeah. So I don't think that's good enough. Okay. Um, let's drift our attention to the Champions League because Arsenal are involved in the, um, the knockout stages of the Champions League. I think you guys are drawn against um, Porto. Porto. Yeah. 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 What do you make about that? Because uh, that game, you can say, is about a month away. And, yeah. you know, we're going to be sitting here discussing um, that fixture. It's a relatively easy run for Arsenal from now till that Porto victory. And, you know, yeah. if Arsenal can get their wheels turning, could you maybe uh, mount a Champions League challenge? I feel they they will come away with the victory and, and progress. It, it won't be easy. Yeah. Um, Porto is, is quite a good team. They have a lot of good players. Mm, tricky customer. Yeah, very. Um, and I think Arsenal have struggled with Porto over the years. So um, they shouldn't take this game lightly. And as you're saying, they got a relatively easy run towards that, which, which could help them to progress in the Champions League, which is also a good thing. Yeah. You mentioned 
um, Jesus and um, Nketiah being yeah. the number two and three striker. And, you yeah. know, against Liverpool in the FA Cup, when you guys got knocked out, Kai Havertz played that central striking yeah. role. Do you think you're going to see more of Havertz in the future in that centre striking um, berth? I, I think so. Um, because he's so versatile and, and it's been proven before at Chelsea. So I don't think um, Arteta will have a problem putting him in as a false nine. Um, he's not the worst at it, but he's also not the best, mm. especially playing for Arsenal and, and, and the caliber of club it is. You can't have a makeshift striker looking to win games. You've got to be ruthless. City do it. Liverpool do it. So I think it's time for Arteta to, to let go of a few players, break the bank and, and get that ruthless number nine in. Yeah. Um, just a, a note on Kai Havertz. In that fixture against Liverpool in the FA Cup, he attempted six shots, which I think is quite incredible yeah. for a centre forward who doesn't really play as a centre forward, um, missing two big chances. And I think yeah. that's really look, look, what, Kai what it comes is, down to. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a top player. He gets in the right spaces. You can see he's, he's got a lot of um, creativity in his game. He's just not a prolific scorer, which... You need, which, yeah, which we need. So uh, by him getting those shots, I'm not surprised because he does get into those good spaces and he does make good runs. It's just um, the scoring uh, part of it is not there. Mm. We haven't really spoken much about Crystal Palace, and you know I think it's for good reason. I don't see them getting anything in this game. Yeah. Let's just jump ahead to your prediction. Uh, I'm going with a two-nil Arsenal. Two-nil Arsenal. Eh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving along, Brentford versus Nottingham Forest. Now, Brentford doing a bit of uh, business in a transfer market. I believe they've just uh, landed Serge uh, Rugulian from Tottenham. Yeah, good business for them. They're also struggling now at the moment. Um, Ivan Tony could be back, which is a huge positive for the club. Um, so they have lost some players to, uh, to AFCON. So with, um, with those players coming in, um, it should be good. A yeah, in, in yeah form huge form change. Today. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just where to now for Thomas Frank? You know, his club haven't really been doing that well in the yeah. league. Um, I believe last night they got knocked out of the FA Cup by yeah. Wolves in their uh, second round replay. Um, you know, like, do you think that that could work well for them as they look to climb up um, the league table? Currently, they find themselves in, um, in the bottom of 16th, just three points from the relegation zone at the time of recording. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they should... A lot of focus more on the league. Um, last season, they were a top club. But I think with all the other clubs improving and, and, and bringing in new players, yeah, with them sticking with the same players, it's, it's not helping them. And also missing Tony for the last eight months has, has been a huge issue as well. And Bomo got injured, so the striking department mm. has been a real issue for them as well. Mm. I think Kevin uh, Shada, who was formerly um, in the players' is trained in the Bundesliga. He was yeah. also doing quite well for them. I think he also got injured. So, you know, they've had a, a mountain of injuries yeah. in a very crucial time because that December period, you know, obviously we're recording this in January, but the December period, they were hit hard. And, you oh. know, you play many fixtures in, in a very short space sure. of yeah. time. So I think that's really compounded their, their woes. Yeah, definitely. Um, another team too that's going through a similar issue is uh, Manchester United. I don't think um, Eric Ten Hag has, has fielded the same eleven even twice the whole season, mm. which is a huge issue and, and Brentford as well. So they really have a game on their hands because Nottingham Forest is no pushover as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, you speak about Nottingham Forest and I think the sacking of Steve Cooper and appointing Nuno um, at the helm, it's 
kind of had some immediate relief. You know, you look at that, that game against Newcastle, 3-1 victory for them. Uh, Nottingham Forest beating Man United at home 2-1. Um, of course, these are in the closing stages of December. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time of recording, they are about to play Blackpool uh, in the third round replay the Cup, of the yeah. FA Cup. So we are here to see how that, that one pans out. But, you know, a change in the tides. Not yeah, definitely. I think, I think it was sort of a blessing in disguise mm. um, releasing um, Steve Cooper because I, I, I feel personally he reached his ceiling mm. as a coach. Yeah. And bringing, at, at Forest, yeah, at yeah. Forest, yeah, I think there was there wasn't much more he could do. Um, with um, Nuno coming in, I think he's slightly better coach, more experience. So I think the players bought in, and and it's they've been rewarded now. They've got some good ones. They're playing quite well, so I'm yeah. happy with Forest now. All right, give me your prediction on this one. I'm going two two. Okay, um, high, nice high scoring draw over there. Yeah. Um, Let's move things over to Sunday's action. Sheffield host West Ham in this one. I think West Ham in a bit of a purple patch. Yeah. Um, undefeated in the previous four league fixtures. Ten wins from their opening 20 league fixtures. I mean, that's that's incredible. They got knocked out of the FA Cup last night. But um, playing Sheffield, um, we know the struggles that Sheffield are facing now at the moment. Um, a huge game for West Ham to bounce back, especially for for the coach as well, I think. He's, I won't say his job is on the line now, but the way the team is going now, he should be a little bit worried. Mm. Um, that being Chris Wilde at... Uh, no, Sh- no, no, West Ham. West Ham uh, David, David Moyes, yeah. yeah. Well, look, he's got uh, two fixtures that he should really get six points from. I think yeah. it's Sheffield um, away, and then he plays Bournemouth at home, and I think that one there could be... Uh, um, the Bournemouth might be a bit tricky, yeah, because Bournemouth are also playing quite well especially after getting that massive one at United. Mm. Um, they've also been doing really good things. But um, West Ham, if I can compare them to Sheffield, they're worlds apart. Mm. So I think they're a much better team. I think with the, with the loss last night, I think they'll be eager to, to bounce back. Yeah. You're going to go with the West Ham victory? Yeah? Definitely. 2-0 West Ham. 2-0 West Ham. All right. Um, Bournemouth are hosting Liverpool in the final Sunday clash. Um, is it the Dom Solanke derby? <laughs> I think it is, especially <laughs> with the with the way he's playing now. Yeah. At the moment, his numbers are good. Um, I think he's the go-to man for Bournemouth now. And um, I think the new coach, Areola, that's come in, I think he's implemented a good style of play that suits the Bournemouth uh, uh, players. Um, everything is happening for, for them. And um, Solanke, ex-Liverpool, so I think he'll have an extra push yeah, in well, his game. Yeah, chances in this one. Eh? Definitely. Well, you know, it was Bournemouth who slapped a five-year contract on Solanke. Um, not so long ago, I think it was um, towards the end of uh, November, maybe beginning of December last year, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. I think that was done as a way to maybe just secure the club a higher asking price. Purchase, yeah. yeah. Good, However, good strategy from them. Yeah, I do have something to add. I think yeah. it was um, the Liverpool um, director of transfers who oversaw the outgoing transfer of Solanke to Bournemouth. And he actually included in the clause i think it was a fixed price of 30 million pounds if they want to buy back or there's like a buyback clause yeah that gives liverpool the first Option. preference yeah exactly if they want to exercise that and bring him back to the club do you think they're gonna have to um you know look into that because right now it's gonna you know it's a bit hard to find a striker that's more reliable and consistent yeah. than um is the season yeah look um i don't think he he would want to go back 
I think the competition is, is, is quite high at Liverpool. And for him going to a so-called smaller team, um, I think he's found his feet. I think he's found his place in the league. Um, he's, he's playing quite well. He's, he's the go-to man, like I said. And he, he's scoring goals almost every game. Um, so I think going back to Liverpool is, is out of the question. Mm, okay, let's get your prediction on this one. Uh, I, I got to stick with Liverpool. Liverpool are doing good things. Klopp's yeah. got the team playing really well now at the moment. Um, they're on top of the log. Mm, I think um, two points clear. Two on points clear. City, yeah. Um, so I'm 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 gonna stick with Liverpool now, two one. Mm. All right, Brighton versus Wolves is uh, the fixture on Monday evening. It rounds up this round of action as well. Um, bit of a difficult one. Both sides um, maybe need this win. Brighton yeah. with just one win in three. Um, you know, Wolves on a high, yeah. uh, like run of form currently. Yeah, no, huge game. Uh, two nice teams. Uh, both teams playing good football. Um, it's, it's going to be a real battle at Brighton. We know what Brighton is going to give us a full-out attack. Um, the only issue I have with Brighton is a defensive area. Wolves as well, same thing. They're all-out attack. Both teams have good players, so it's going to be an exciting game at the MX. Yeah, which player is going to stand out and really take this game by the scruff of the neck? I, I'm looking at um, Acuna from from Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, So and, and Brighton, um, I, I think Ferguson should be the go-to man there. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's going to be lots of goals in this one? I think uh, I think so because both teams are are, are more, I say, focused more on offensive yeah. duties. Uh, they both lead goals, so uh, I I think there's going to be a lot of goals here. Yeah. Mm. Um, over three point five. Uh, I say over two point five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, definitely. Give me a prediction. Uh, I would say three two, three two Brighton. Oh, Brighton, the home victory over yeah, here. Yeah. Well, um, let's move our attention over to transfers now, right? We've yeah. we've had your your predictions. your predictions, your previews, but right now let's talk about Man United's transfer dilemma. I think Jaden Sancho being the latest high-profile transfer that didn't yeah. work out for yeah. them. You know, this comes after Cristiano Ronaldo, Mason Mount. To some extent, I think Hoyland also hasn't worked out. Yeah, look, uh, the recruitment at United. I think from the top right down. The whole United system is in a mess. Um, there's there's a huge rebuild that needs to happen sooner than later. I think with Radcliffe um, coming in as the money man and, and being more focused on the footballing side, I think would be a huge uh, positive for United. But just uh, sticking on the recruitment, I think Anthony was was no good. Yeah. Uh, Mason Mount hasn't played. Um, Rasmus, um, to be fair to him, um, he's, he's still young he, he hasn't adapted yet but when you're playing for United you've you got to come in and hit the ground running um, I'm happy that he's got the goal um, he, he looks like a good striker he, he, he has a lot of promise on him as well so yeah um, we can go back to, to Martian that was years ago who hasn't been anything at United Yeah. Um, so I think United has a huge rebuild to do they got to put people in, in, in place to, to fix these issues. Mm. You know, you, you mentioned from the top right to the bottom, but you know, that change of Radcliffe coming into the club, or rather buying his way into the club, yeah. there was a very specific, um, you know, contract clause that said any football decisions relating to transfers would have to go through him and be consulted with any else group before yeah. um, a decision, a final decision can be made. And I guess it really goes to what you're saying, that there isn't somebody that's 
in appointed. charge. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no sporting director at United now at the moment. Mm. And even the meeting that he that he had with United, he said that that he hopes that this can can build a relationship between him and the team. He's not there to make money. He's there to to fix the problems, bring in bring in the players that that need to come in, not what they want. Mm. They he needs to build a team that that are, are competing for the champion, the championship, um, competing in in um, um, Champions League. Because I think it's been ten years now that they've been um, in the dark, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a long time, especially for a club like United. Mm. Do you think Tenog is a man to guide them to victory? I think he has delivered two pieces of silverware in yeah. his uh, debut season, as well yeah. as the FA Cup final against Man City. You know, yeah. um, look, I, I I like Ten Hag somehow. I like him. Um, he's a lot more defensive, but I think if he's if he's given the um, I want to say better players. I won't say the players they have now are bad, but a little bit better players, more, more, or you can get more out of. Yeah. I, I think he, he will do a better job. Oh, look, it's kind of like his uh, old, old uh, Ajax, Ajax team. team yeah, exactly. Because there's, there's quite a number of players that have yeah. an imprint from that, um, those glory days, shall I say. Yeah. And um, do you think that there's, that um, has kind of worked or, or No, I, th- I think it's, I think it's, it's backfired on him because, I know, I know that he, he did well at Ajax. Um, they were very good in the Champions League. They took on Madrid with that same team. And it was going well. But I don't think those players are good enough for the Premier League. I think it showed with Anthony. Mm. It's, it hasn't worked out at all. It was $90 million for him. I don't think they've been repaid. So I think he's got to look out. They've got to get someone in place who does the right recruitment, come up with a list of 10 good players, have a chat with Radcliffe and come up with the right decisions because what they've been doing now is not working at all. Mm. Okay. Um, the finishing point will be Marcus Rashford. I think his goal against um, Tottenham was his first at Man United uh, this season at home at Old Trafford. Yeah. The f- for, for a player with, with his standards, which is not good enough. And I was also too happy with his, his celebration. Because he, he hasn't done anything this season mm. for, for him to have anything to say, you know. Yeah. So I think he's, he, he's got to pick up his socks. I think he's, he's the go-to man at mm. United now. And, and I think he's the player to turn the season around. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that's a good place to leave uh, the discussion. And, you yeah. know, just food for thought, you know, what, what does the future look like for Man United? Um, Mark, until we meet again next time. Thanks for having me, Dish. All right. Cheers. <laughs> the target podcast